What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 61. I'm sick, but uh, we don't take any days off here. So we're going to we're gonna pull through it. Uh, Pretty we got, weeks off, I guess. That's true. That's true. Whole bunch of baseball today. Free agent preview. Pretty much. We're going to pick where these dudes go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mi- I know we didn't have it on the spreadsheet, but maybe we'll pick as well where Odell goes. As that's probably mm-hmm. the biggest thing uh, that's going on right now in the world of sports as far as we're... The, the diva of Odo Beckham Jr. is going to land here after he cleared waivers uh, earlier today. We got Brett with us back again this episode. I think he was here last week, too. But Yes, yes. Good to have Shavi here. Uh, we're also going to talk about football in the second half. A little bit less of the volume side on football this week just because of the, the pure amount of baseball that we're doing. Uh, normal halftime where we talk about college football, the rankings – all that stuff. I actually did not watch the ranking show. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that is. Today. Oh, yeah. yes. I don't think it's happened yet. Yeah. So we, we might have that like out. right about when we do that segment. So that will be kind of almost live. That'll be interesting. Uh, might be towards the end of the show. So maybe we'll get yeah, back push to it back. maybe get back to college football at the end. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, mm-hmm. But nonetheless, Let's get into the opener. And I know I have for my opener on a spreadsheet, it says Braves win World Series. But I'm going to do Jorge Soler winning World Series MVP. I was very happy to see him win it, considering he was my pick going into the series. And when the Braves took it down and he had three game-winning home runs in that whole series, I was very, very content with that pick. Yeah, all right. I'm. Uh, I, there wasn't a whole lot I liked from this week. So I'm going with uh, Boise State, the boys taking down ranked Fresno State on the road, 40 to 14. Man, George Halani, a uh, big running back from St. John's Bosco, who's we've been waiting for him to become a star, you know, that NFL prospect. And he finally had a breakout game this year, over 180 yards. Uh, but bad game for Jake Hayner, you know, a guy who's in uh, draft hopes, Heisman hopes this year through three picks. So uh, rough for, for him. We like him too, but you know I'll take Boise over Aner. For me, I'm going with the Warriors, who are nine and one or ten and one after last nine night. Nine one, nine and one. Steph dropped fifty points last night. Jordan Poole uh, over twenty five in three straight games before last night, becoming a solid second scoring option. Gary Payton the second has been really a revelation for this team over the past week, both defensively and he's getting done on the offensive side as well. Team chemistry is really flowing right now. Top defensive league or team in the league and number one net rating in the league. So for a Warriors fan, things are looking really good. Clay, hopefully back December, January and Wiseman sometime around the corner. A lot of good things about this team right now. Yeah, for sure. And all the whole mainstream media is just talking about staff and, and maybe a little bit of pool as well. But just as big as, as those guys are to the team are the, 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 the depth right now with Peyton Otto Porter, who's been playing tremendous. Uh, Nemanja Bialica obviously has been a big piece so far this year. Uh, JTA as always, Iguodala, all those guys have been playing really, really well for the Warriors so far. And that's a big part of why they're not in one. Well, let's get to the Mac sports player of the week. We had four different people. 
uh, just like we always do, uh, four were Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, Jonathan Taylor, and Jackson Smith Najiba. I think I'm it's not quite Najiba, sure. I think. It, it's a weird last name. Jackson how to say Smith. Uh, yeah, we'll go uh. Jackson Smith. He's a wide receiver for Ohio State. Other three guys you guys should already know, 100%. Uh, but Jackson Smith had 15 catches and 240 yards and a touchdown in Ohio State's big win. Uh, Jonathan Taylor on Thursday night against Skyler's Jets had 19 carries for 172 yards and two touchdowns. Matt Ryan played a really good game against his divisional rival Saints, uh, where they won, and he went 23 for 30, 343 yards and two touchdowns against that stout Saints defense. And Justin Herbert playing back onto his MVP pace, I guess, uh, 32 for 38, 356 yards and two touchdowns. So a great week for him. And Justin Herbert ended up winning Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. I'm not sure if this is his first one. I think he might be the first person to have two. I think he might have won one earlier in the year. I'm, I'm not quite sure. he was sure. definitely nominated before. I don't know. If, I don't remember if he won. Yeah, we'll have to go back and check that a little bit later. Uh, so we'll see about that. But congrats to Justin Herbert. Now let's get to the right. team reports. Skyler, how about them Jets? Yeah, this will be a quick one here. Jets played on Thursday against the Colts. They lost 45 to 30, man. Mike White starts off hot, gets hurt. Josh Johnson comes in and, you know, does his thing. He has a great game. 300 yards, three touchdowns. Elijah Moore had two touchdowns, but defense couldn't get a stop for their life, man. Like you said, Jonathan Taylor was a, a Max Sports candidate for this week. Uh, 170 yards. Carson Wentz looked perfect. In the first three quarters, uh, the Jets got one stop on defense, and they stopped him on fourth and goal from the two. Uh, that's the only stop. You know, they couldn't couldn't do it. Couldn't get the job done. And uh, playing Buffalo next week, likely going to be Mike White. Uh, not excited. What about Josh Johnson? He looked good. He did. He did. It was garbage time. But nonetheless, I mean, touchdowns in the NFL are touchdowns. You know, uh, the thing about Indy is they didn't take their foot off the gas until about five minutes left. You know, uh, Josh Johnson was doing his thing, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, with Flacco on the team, too, it, it, there's not a lot of opportunity for Josh Johnson later in the year, which sucks. But, you know, you've got to do what you got to do. Yeah. I mean, he is, what, 36, too. So yeah. it's not like you're finding a franchise QB and a guy like him. You're, you're finding maybe no. a fun fun week or two, but you're, that's definitely not going to be a long-term solution or even the short, short-term solution as well. Mm. So I guess I'll get into the Niners here. For the first time in many years, I turned off a Niners game before it ended. I ended up coming back to it, but just awful effort from the Niners. The one guy who looked good, oddly enough, was Jimmy Garoppolo, who looked very solid, as he did last week against the Bears. Uh, Some bright spots. I believe it was a 31-17 final, if I remember correctly, but... It was it was a blowout pretty much until the end when I until I caught the touchdown. Ayuk looked good for the first time. Uh, he ran more routes than any other receiver on the team. Got him the ball. He looked good. He did fumble. Kittle back looked solid, but once again fumble. Both those fumbles cost the Niners big time. Colt McCoy looked like prime Tom Brady moving the ball. Couldn't looked stop like him. And, Colt McCoy back at Texas, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and I believe James Conner. He had 40 fantasy points, three touchdowns. He did it on the ground and through the air. Cliff Kingsbury 
I mean, out coach Shanahan and D'Amico Ryan's in circles. It wasn't even close, and I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, D'Amico Ryan's and given the Niners defense a little banged up, but can't stop Colt McCoy and an Arizona offense with no DeAndre Hopkins. It was it was embarrassing as a Niner fan. Yeah, we had a tough week too uh, when we when the Raiders went to go visit the Giants in the Meadowlands. Obviously, this week had a huge distraction in it with uh, obviously Henry Ruggs and that whole situation there. And the team played great. They honestly played great, except for Carr. Carr was the only only bad point this whole game. I think if Carr just has his normal game, the Raiders probably win this game by 10, 15 points. Uh, Jacobs had his highest yards per carry on the season. The defense only allowed 245 yards. Yannick Ngakwe had two sacks and a couple more pressures. Waller had 92 yards. Uh, Kenny Drake had had 70 yards through the air as well as 30 on the ground. So he has a 100-yard game there. Hunter Renfro, seven catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, the thing that I was kind of noticing in this game is like the need uh, for the number one type receiver that can run the deep routes like Henry Ruggs. Uh, obviously, the Raiders made a move to go get Deshaun Jackson. Uh, after the game on Sunday, uh, that was a good move. In my opinion, I think that deep threat's going to be a big, big thing. And hopefully the Raiders make the move for Odell. Cause I would love to have a true number one on our team. Um, but yeah, defense played well. I was very content with that. We held Daniel Jones to, I mean, I know he's not good, but 110 passing yards, Devonte Booker kind of ran all over us, but that's acceptable when you only give up 110 yards uh, through the air especially when Devonta Booker didn't even have a hundred yards himself. Um, made a move on Monday, I believe to cut Damon Arnett. And I'm completely okay with that. Uh, I think admitting to your mistakes is something better than just trying to fix your mistakes with another mistake along the line uh, in the future. So I do like Mayock's decision to, to go ahead and get rid of Arnett there. I think that's going to help the team in the long run. Uh, it's not going to hurt the culture at all because he hasn't been in the locker room in the last month. Uh, now we have Sunday Night Football with the Chiefs coming up next week. I'm sorry, man. Sorry? <laughs> it's just like, fuck, man. That two first-rounders gone in back-to-back weeks, that's that's terrible. I'm, t- I'm Obviously, I'm talking football-wise specifically here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys have some work to do. Arnett's yeah. an idiot. <laughs> I mean, both of them are idiots, obviously, but it's yeah. – I really like you can I mean, you can give the Raiders as much hate as you want to for making these two picks and picking the characters that they did. But the ability to admit or not, I mean, obviously, rugs like you're you're getting rid of him right away after that shit happens. But Arnett, the way to just like not linger around with it, not make the situation kind of just stir, just cut ties. And and I even in Mayock's press conference that he had uh, over the phone. Yesterday, I think it was, he was very firm in his belief and saying that Arnett can, like, he can make a living in the NFL if he just decided to, to change up his lifestyle and, and play and live the way the NFL players do. And he just wasn't doing that way. So he was, he was upset. He was mad, but he kind of knew that this was the right decision. And this one was, was coming for a long time after he posted that video that he did over this past yeah. week. The, the one, did you see the thing where he crashed, I think, four rental cars within mm-hmm. like the first month or like like within a month of I think his first contract or whatever it was? 
I did not. But I, I, I don't know yeah, the. I, I mean, I don't know how accurate that was, but it was. I believe it was a verified account. I read that on Twitter. It just yeah. seems like a lot of little things added up, and then you know, obviously, the video he posted was the final straw. Yeah. Nonetheless, so we're gonna keep pushing. Hopefully, we make it to the playoffs for the second time since just two thousand and two. All right. MLB free agency prediction time. I believe we have 35 different guys that we're going to go over. Might be a little lengthy. Uh, I don't think we're going to get too deep into too many guys unless there's like a very big talking point with them. Uh, but the first guy, we'll start it off with an easy one. Mm. Freddie Freeman. I don't see Freddie Freeman. Maybe I'm being selfish. I guess I'll find out here in a second. But I can't see him in any other jersey than an Atlanta Brave one. I have him sticking around. I too have him sticking around. Like like Skylar said, he's he's a brave. I don't think he would be anything but a brave. I think he's probably signed a five year deal, three year deal to remain there. Yeah, Freddie's not leaving. I think that's pretty clear based off of just what he's done for the city, not just the franchise over the last 10, 12 years. So he's staying there. Next up, NLCS MVP Eddie Rosario. Again, I have him sticking with the Braves. I feel like this won't be too expensive of a deal. And, uh, you know, kind of a hometown hero now. Uh, yeah, he solidified himself as, you know, a legend, really, in the Braves organization. Uh, the next two guys, really. But I think Rosario, even more so, just with his magic in that NLCS, I think he sticks around with the Braves as well. I do think uh, the Braves are going to slightly overpay for Rosario, just based off of uh, he's going to want money more for that NLCS performance rather than his just season performance in general. Uh, so they're going to slightly overpay for him, but it doesn't matter if you slightly overpay if you end up World Series champions, and that's what they did this year. Mm-hmm. Next up, World Series MVP Jorge Soler. I think it's a similar situation, but I don't see Atlanta overpaying for Soler when he asked for it, so I have him going to the Rockies. I could see a couple different teams here, some of the uh, uh, other teams that finished around third place in their divisions, but... Uh, you know, with the DH likely coming to the National League, I think the Rockies would be willing to pay that contract. I'm going to the Rays. He's a guy who I think would fit into that lineup. They can kind of platoon him if he wants, but I think in the end of the day, he's more of an everyday player for them, add some power to that already very deep lineup. Um, I think Rosario makes more sense. For, I think the Braves keep one of the two. I don't know which one it will be, but I think Rosario makes more sense money-wise with Acuna coming back. See, I don't think he's going to go to Colorado, but that'd be really fun to see yeah. with, with uh, just Solaire swinging his power uh, mm-hmm. in Colorado. Uh, I think he goes to the Angels. I think the Angels, uh, I mean, that third outfielder spot or the DH spot, I guess, when uh, Shohei pitches, uh, or I don't know, that's kind of a weird dilemma. But uh, I think LA makes a lot of sense for him. I think LA is the type of team to go, kind of go and overpay for a guy like this, uh, just based off of their previous signings. They like signing guys for a lot of money and they had like Taylor Ward starting a left field for half the season last yeah. year. And that's not going to cut it if you want to be decent. So Zolaire to the angels makes a lot of sense to me. Next up, Eduardo Rodriguez, the left-handed pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. See, I think this is the type of guy that the angels are going to overpay for. Um, looking like the best starter on the market this year, if you don't count Robbie Ray, of course, but there's a bit of an age gap. Um, so I have him going to the angels here, getting the big bucks. Kyle doesn't like that. <laughs> he's not the I, best I don't, starter on the market. Yeah. He I don't think, I don't think he's the, 
I don't think he's a quite a top tier starter. So I don't think there's some other guys that I have, uh, sorry, you know, locked into certain places hundred percent. So I apologize. Yeah. Jumping sure. the gun. <clears throat> um, Rodriguez's guy, I don't think he's going to get top tier pitcher money despite being a very solid pitcher. So kind of like what Scott was saying with like a third place team for Soler. Um, I think this could be kind of a situation with uh, Rodriguez, a team maybe looking to make a bit of a push or just kind of stay afloat in a division race. A team like the Twins. Minnesota. Where yeah. I have him going, I think makes a lot of sense. Probably becomes the top guy in that bullpen, or not bullpen, uh, rotation after the departure of Barrios last year. So I think he goes and becomes the Minnesota ace. I think Erod stays in the same place. I think he's staying in Boston. Uh, he had a pretty, he had a down year last year. I think that's pretty fair to say. Uh, so I think he, he maybe not a prove it deal, but sounds like a one year, $10 million type deal. Uh, and then if he has a good year, I think he, he, he cashes out next winter. Next up, probably the highly, most highly touted left-handed arm uh, in this free agency that's Carlos Rodon coming off of a great season with the White Sox. And you're going to understand why the Angels are going after Eduardo Rodriguez here because Rodon's going to the Red Sox. They get the upgraded lefty, and they have the money to spend. I also had Rodon going to the Sox, but it's the White Sox. Thank you, State oh. in Chicago. I know uh, the White Sox didn't offer Rodon a qualifying offer. That was one of like the big things so far of this postseason – or not postseason, offseason. Yeah. Uh, I think he leaves. I think he, he goes and catches out on the money that he deserves for his this year's performance. I don't think the White Sox are really expecting to throw any sort of that type of money uh, to him. And one team I have to look at that kind of needs an ace for the future that's trying to to really build around and, and become a team of the future is the Seattle yeah. Mariners. And so I think Seattle goes and gets their ace with Carlos Rodon. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Next up, uh, one of the best reliever arms, uh, Ryan Tapera. All right. I have him going to the Phillies here. This is a team that I think could try to go all in this year. And, uh, you know, one of the best relievers on the market are going to throw the cash around going to Philly. seems like every year a guy like this kind of finds his way onto a bad team and gets, you know, a little more money than what he probably should and takes that. So I have to pair going to the Royals, a team that doesn't have a lot in the back end of their bullpen. I know they have some flamethrowers, but I think to gets an offer from a team like the Royals and takes it, cashes out after I believe two good seasons in a row now. I was kind of split with Tapera. I thought one way he could have he could have signed with a bad team, became their closer, uh, sign on a one year deal, get traded at the trade deadline, and then kind of just be thrown into a playoff race, kind of like how he was thrown into a playoff race this year. I don't think he does that. I think the Padres throw him a good amount of money, and he gets added to that very strong back end of the bullpen. Next up, John Gray. All right. I have John Gray going to the Tigers. I think this is a high upside type deal that the Tigers could make, you know, good uh, K and ground ball percentage uh, that doesn't always add up to his numbers just because he was in Colorado. But I think this could work out. John Gray is the guy I've always liked. I think he's kind of obviously got the short end of the stick pitching in Colorado. I think he goes to the Blue Jays. He helps bolster the top end of that rotation, which had, you know, Robbie Ray, but wasn't always the deepest. The pitching in general in Toronto wasn't the best. 
So then Gray goes to the Blue Jays, helps them out, and make a push towards the playoffs this year. One thing I have noticed about the Angels is there a need for like middle of the rotation type arms? Well, they're not they're not going to be aces, but they're also not going to be a six starter on 25 of the 30 teams in the league. And I feel like that's what a lot of the Angels starters were this past year. So I think John Gray uh, gets a good amount of money and he goes and signs with the Angels to be the number two or number three guy behind Shohei and whoever else they want to add maybe that I talk about later in uh, this prediction. Now, a highly touted shortstop, wasn't traded at the deadline, wanted to be traded at the deadline. We're talking about Trevor Story. I have Trevor Story going to Houston. I think Houston's going to miss out on Carlos Correa and try to get the next uh, best thing for shortstop. Um, yeah, there you go. I'm, you're going to see a couple of really good shortstops on this list. <laughs> and I think there's like three or four teams that are going to be in the running for all of them. And it's kind of going to depend who wants to pay the most for the top guy. And I think Correa will probably get the most, and I don't see the Astros doing that. So I, too, have Trevor Story going to the Astros for a little bit cheaper than Correa. But Story, very solid replacement in Houston. Whenever there's a big uh, player on the market, one team pops up consistently because they have the most money, and that's the New York Yankees. I think uh, Story to the Yanks makes a lot of sense here uh, just because of kind of the decline of Gleyber Torres. And mm-hmm. uh, as well as like Miguel Andujar and guys like that. So story to New York. Next up, Carlos Correa. I wasn't uh, 100% in on this move uh, until after talking with Kyle a little bit about this yesterday. But Carlos Correa is hated by pretty much every team in the MLB right now. Um, the Tigers are up and coming. Their new manager from last year, A.J. Hinch, likes Correa. They played together, played four him uh so i'm going to detroit it's gonna be uh interesting i also have not going to detroit that's i think that's one a lot of people have just because of that relationship with aj hinch and like scholar said just not a lot of teams liking Craig. his personality obviously the whole cheating thing wasn't great for him or any other astros player but aj hinch is a guy who obviously will take Craig in with open arms and he'll help with you know those young guys coming up and a rebuild that in a couple of years could be a pretty decent roster. I've been on this one for a while. I, I really like Correa to Detroit. Obviously the manager relationship is, is there. And I think the winning culture in Detroit, like the, this new new roster kind of got started last year uh, with kind of overperforming their expectations going into the season. Obviously they have some great young pieces like Torkelson, Mize, Scooball, I think they can get their leader in Carlos Correa and become a sleeper wild card team this year, depending on some of the other moves they make in uh, this offseason. Next up, Kendall Graveman. Graveman, I'm going to the Dodgers. Joe Kelly's not coming back. I don't think Jansen is either. So uh, Dodgers go after Graveman here. I think Kendall Graveman, every year, at least the past couple of years, we've always talked about the Phillies needing bullpen help. I think the Phillies go out and get Graveman to help that back into the bullpen. I, I don't know if he'd become the closer, but he'd definitely be an eighth inning. Very important high leverage setup guy for a team who is looking to make a wild card push next year. When Graveman got traded this year, it was like one of the most stupid moves I think we kind of saw over this this whole trade deadline. 
Yes. Because Seattle was competing and then they trade away their closer, not only trade them away, but trade them away to a team that they're facing currently, as well as a division rival. Uh, obviously, Abraham Toro played really well for them down the stretch. I think Graveman returns to Seattle. Next up, the legendary Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke, I've gone to the Cardinals. The Cardinals have shown they're not afraid of uh, of the vets. You know, Wayno carried them this year, at least uh, pitching-wise. I know they had some help by the uh, young outfielders this year, Tommy Edmond too. But uh, Greinke to the Cardinals, another move that I pretty much just picked because it seems interesting to me. I actually had the exact same thing going to the Cardinals. The other option, I mean, there's obviously other options, but another thing I can see is Grinky just flat out retiring. Honestly, at this point, it seems like he's seen a pretty steady decline in the past few years. Grinky's a mysterious dude. It wouldn't surprise me if he just decided to hang it up. You know, it also really wouldn't surprise me if uh, Zach Grinky goes to Japan and plays for a couple of years just because that's <laughs> the type of dude that he is. Uh, he wants to get a ring over there. Uh, one thing I really don't see, though, is him going back to Houston. Uh, I think that that relationship was kind of severed when they decided to not really use him at all in this, this postseason as well. I mean, he's, he's a service, serviceable and arm, and obviously he's got a lot, a lot of experience, uh, whether it be in the postseason or just in the regular season in general. So I want to say he retires, but just so he could hit, I really, I do think it's possible that the Cardinals are, are, are a team that, that he can go to. Next up, a guy who hasn't pitched in a couple of years, but was one of the game's best in his prime. That's Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander uh, threw for a couple teams the other day. They said he was great. Uh, so I have the Angels here overpaying a little bit for him. Um, you know, uh I guess this is because in my scenario here, the Angels miss out on some of these uh, mid-tier starters, so they go after Verlander. I think Verlander at this point in his career is chasing a ring just as much as you know anything. So I think the team like the Giants, if they can get him on a cheap one-year contract, that they they can take a fly on him with the depth they have in their rotation. And he was hitting 96 in that bullpen the other day. I still think he's going to be a very good pitcher. So if you put him in a rotation like the Giants or even the Braves, a team, a team like that who's a World Series caliber team, I think, I think that's the type of team that'll take a flyer on Verlander this year. Verlander is one of the weirdest people in the market just because he hasn't played in two years. But when he was playing, he was like that dude. Like he he was obviously dominant. And I think just like Correa the Tigers kind of need a leader uh, as far as the pitching staff goes. And a guy who's been there for a long, long time, obviously one of Detroit's heroes right up to Matthew Stafford, Barry Sanders and uh, Calvin Megatron Johnson. Uh, Justin Verlander is going back to Detroit and he's going to help that young Tiger staff get, get better and achieve their goal. Next up, in my opinion, probably the most uh, touted reliever arm, one of the most underrated relievers in all of baseball, Rafael Iglesias, former closer of the Angels. I agree. I think he's the best dude uh, in this class. Uh, so I have him going to Toronto. They need a lot of help in the bullpen. We saw that last year. Uh, seems like a perfect match. Skyler's taking a lot of my picks. I also am going to Toronto. I I really like Iglesias, and I think – that and with Kirby Yates coming back, hopefully healthy and able to produce in a back end role, Toronto's bullpen gets a lot better this year. 
Iglesias, I think he's going to get the most money out of any reliever. Uh, I think his stuff is actually amazing. Uh, and I think a team that makes a lot of sense for him is, well, Toronto's a good one, but I think Boston makes even more sense. I think he probably overtakes Matt Barnes, closes role because of just how good he's been in the last few years. And that sets up a, a really deadly uh, back of the bullpen if you use Whitlock and uh, Barnes and some of the other guys as well that they got there. Next up, long-time Dodger closer and one-time Netherlands catcher, yes. Kenley Jansen. I have Kenley Jansen going south to the Padres. Bob Melvin gets a, a bullpen toy to use this year. Um, and I don't think Bob Melvin's afraid of Kenley Jansen, if you know what I mean. You know, uh, sometimes the Dodgers would use some other dudes, even starters, to close games, especially in the postseason because they didn't really trust Jansen. I think uh, the Padres will go all in this year on what they got. Uh, early last season, I would have said Jansen Lee. He wasn't looking quite as sharp or, you know, as good as he had in years past. But towards the end, he was really solid in that back end of the Dodgers bullpen. So I think the Dodgers bring him back, try to get him on a bit of a cheaper deal. Guy who's later in his career, still wants to win, been around the clubhouse. If the Dodgers can get a team-friendly one, maybe two-year deal, I think he'll be back in Dodger blue. I think the the Dodgers' main goal this offseason is kind of just keeping the gang together because they know if all the guys are healthy that they have a very legitimate ch- chance at the World Series every single year. I mean, who knows if they had Kershaw and Muncy in this postseason what it could have been. So I think Kenley stays around. I don't know if he's going to be their closer next year with how good Blake Trinan is, but I think he he's going to be in that back end of the bullpen just like he has been for the last 10 years at this point. I don't know. It seems like a long time. Next up, the maniac of baseball, the psychopath of baseball, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, uh, there's no way he's going anywhere else. Uh, the Dodgers are going to make sure they keep him. They're going to try to run it back. I agree. I think the Dodgers could even offer him like a three-year deal just to make sure he stays. I know he's later in his career, but the Dodgers have money to spend. And I, I know for a fact they want to keep him around. Who wouldn't? So I think the Dodgers do anything they can to keep them there. Yeah, I think L.A. makes a lot of sense. But with the Angels, uh, I think it'd make a lot of sense for the Angels to go get a guy like this that, I mean, is obviously a top-tier arm in baseball. The Angels seem like they always have a roster that can make a push, but they don't. And the key thing into that is pitching. So I said John Gray earlier. I think Max Scherzer here, maybe they could even go three years, 90 million if they really wanted to, just because of how good Max Scherzer is. I think it eventually bites him in the ass in that third year because they're probably going to be paying a guy too much for somebody who's 40 years old, it seems like. And uh, But until then, Max Scherzer to the Angels makes a lot of sense. That's kind of an Angels trend, though, overpaying people once they get old. So. Mm-hmm. Next up, another highly touted shortstop, Corey Seager. Corey Seager, I have going to the Yankees. Uh, I think this just makes a little more sense than story to me, but, you know, a similar idea. They got money to spend. They could use a shortstop. There's a lot of them available. There you go. I also have Corey Seager going to the Yankees. I think they want something a little bit more sure. And they have the money to do that story had a bit of a down year last year. I think he's a little bit more of a flyer than they would like with a little bit of lack of production in the middle infield. Another option for Corsi Garcia is the Rangers younger team can go pay him a lot of money, but I think the Yankees make the most sense here. 
I, I think it's going to be really, really tough for the Dodgers to just like let go of Corey Seager uh, just because of how, I mean, he's really young still. Obviously, he's a great player and he's been hurt a good amount over the last two years. But when he's been healthy, he's been just so good and so and so dominant at his position. That so sums up the Yankees. Yeah, but it also sums up the Dodgers as well. The, the Yankees have the West Coast. Uh, so I think the Dodgers... They pay him whatever he wants. He, he stays there. But if he wasn't to go to the Dodgers, I think one of those young teams uh, makes a lot of sense to him. Uh, just kind of the, the pitch being, hey, you're going to be our guy for the next eight years. We're going to build around you and we're going to win a ring with you, even if that's five years down the line. Uh, but I don't think that happens. Of course, Seager to L.A. or staying in L.A. makes a lot of sense for me. One, one interesting, I don't think he's on the list, but his brother, Kyle. Mm-hmm. Well, he has he a go? player option, and I think that player option is $20 million. And I don't think yeah, the Mariners want to pay $20 million. Yeah, I'm saying like a team like Texas, they could use Kyle to kind of lure in Corey and bring both those guys because I'm sure that's something they would both love to do at some point in their career. So could be something to watch out for. Probably won't happen, hmm. but might have. Seager brothers and 100 losses uh, <laughs> to go with it. Next up, one of the most underrated guys uh, in this uh, offseason. Uh, Going to be a big signing wherever he goes. Curious on how much money he gets and what, yeah. what, how, many, how long the duration of the contract is going to be. That's Chris Taylor, uh, one of the best utility players in all of baseball. I know uh, you said the Dodgers are going to try to keep everybody, but I think Chris Taylor is going to get paid big, man. I have him going to Seattle. Seattle uh, sees a wide open AFC West this year. They're going to go for it. AFC, AFC West. West. AL West, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sick. Okay, I'm sick in the brain too. Um, yeah, I also had him going to Seattle. Uh, I believe that's where he came up. He turned. Yeah, he did. Who turns to the Northwest offers that just utility wherever that young team needs it. I'd, I guess he'd probably play, I don't even know where he'd play, probably second or third, depending on what happens with Seeger and the rest of this list. But I see Chris Taylor and the Mariners makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense to me too. But I think Seattle kind of blew their shot on him uh, when they traded him away or rule, I think it might have been rule five. I'm not sure. Uh, but he was, he came up with Seattle. I know that. And he sucked there. And then he went to LA and obviously popped off kind of, kind of like Max Muncy, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think he gets paid big time and he's going to New York, but not with the Yankees, uh, with the Mets. Uh, obviously he has that utility role where he can play first through third as well as left to right. Uh, and he kind of just fills in that where do I need to play type role? And mm. he, I think New York kind of needs a guy like that. All right. Next guy that we're going to be talking about is one of the best pitchers of this generation. And that is Clayton Kershaw. You know, uh, foolish baseball has been making uh, this joke now for a couple of months and it's Kershaw to the Rangers. And every day that goes by, it starts to seem like a possibility. Kershaw going back Texas, home. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, a team that could be really big buyers, but I'm kind of hesitant to say like they're going to, you know, go after yeah. a Corey Seager type guy. Cause exactly. There's not really need for that yet, but I'm just gonna, I'm going to go, go ahead with this one forward. <laughs> I don't know why, but it'd be fun. <laughs> 
Kershaw to me was the hardest guy on this whole list because I just don't see him anywhere else besides the Dodgers. But I don't know what the Dodgers can do for him money wise and all that. So the first team that came to my head was the Astros. They're losing Grinky, who I don't think they really want back. They're losing Verlander, another veteran. And a team that's still going to want to compete despite probably losing Korea. I think they look to add some more pieces to replace what they're losing. So a guy like Kershaw, he could fit in there. And I, I don't really know with him, to be honest. He's he's kind of an, he's an odd one to me. Yeah, I would throw a wrench into everything if Kershaw just ended up going to Houston out of all of this. I think based off of what he's done for the Dodgers in the past 10 years, it would be kind of injustice to give this guy uh to not give this guy what he wants because of just how good he's been uh so even if he's fallen off a bit i think the dodgers still got to pay him uh i mean they could do 20 million a year if they really wanted to i think it'd be more closer to 15 16 a year for maybe three and i think i think kershaw accepts on that and keeps wearing the same hat he's worn his whole career next up Guy who was traded at the deadline last year to the Brewers. Mm. An interesting piece, uh, middle infielder, or uh, I guess he plays third as well, Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, I have Escobar going to the Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays could have a lot of holes. And if they do, this could be the perfect gap player for you know either any position you want him to play, really. He could play corner outfield, third base, first base, DH, whatever. Vladdy wants to learn how to play right field. Okay, you know, we got uh, Escobar to play first. It's all good. Uh, Escobar is one of those guys who I think might sign on a team who's not quite as good, maybe on a one-two-year deal, and will get traded again at the deadline, kind of like he did this year. So I haven't gone to the Nationals, a team that kind of needs a little bit of depth everywhere. I think, I mean, they've had guys like um, Azdrubal Cabrera. He could be a better Azdrubal Cabrera, kind of fill that role, bounce around second, third, uh, was. Trey Turner gone. They need a little bit more at every position, to be quite honest, besides wherever Juan Soto is playing. So I have Escobar going to the Nationals, but I think he's a guy that's probably moved around the deadline if that does happen. Yeah, one team I think that's in contention for uh, we need a guy who can play wherever type person is the White Sox. And I think uh, as far as clubhouse fit, that would be really, really well. Uh, I mean, Chicago's got a very... Uh, Latino-based clubhouse, and obviously he fits right in there. Uh, and so I think Eduardo to play third, maybe second, uh, depending on if they want to keep Moncada at third or move him back to second like he used to be, uh, or just play Eduardo in the quarter outfield if they really wanted to do that as well. I think it makes sense uh, for him going to Chicago for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Next up, very interesting name in free agency because – we don't really know how much he's going to get paid. He is he is a diva. He strikes out a shit ton, but he also can hit the ball 475 feet, and that is Javier Baez. And for all of those reasons, I have him sticking around with the Mets. Maybe not the deal he imagined having going into his first free agent year, mm. but I think he'll accept his defeat, I guess. You know, if getting paid $100 million is a defeat, really. Going back to the Mets. I also have him going back to the Mets. A big reason that is Francisco Lindor, a guy who he considers one of his best friends. And in multiple interviews has been cited as saying 
if I were to want to play second base, it would be alongside Lindor. So I think Lindor is a big drawing point to keep him there. Plus, I think besides the whole booing thing, I think Baez, wherever he plays, is a fan favorite just because of the energy he provides. So I think he stays with the Mets, probably gets around $100 million, which is an overpay considering all the airs and all the strikeouts he had last year and years before that. But he's going to get money wherever he goes. So. I think uh, the market for Baez is going to be more of a shock to him uh, than it is for us. I think... 200 million is definitely out of the picture for him. Uh, but in his mind, I think he probably still thinks he's worth 200 million. Uh, I don't think any team comes anywhere near close to paying that. So I think bias takes a really long time to decide where he's going to play. And eventually just says, Hey, I could still play with the Mets and uh, the Mets offer him a couple year deal, uh, maybe just one year uh, for 20 million or so. And uh, he sticks around and I, I wouldn't say prove it deal, but uh a deal where he, he can make in return a, a lot of money in the future for just giving up kind of one year of, of that $30 million contract. Next up, an interesting corner outfielder spot, and that's Michael Conforto. I have Conforto leaving because I have another guy taking a spot. Uh, so I have him going to the Brewers, a team that could use power, outfield, uh, fielding, you know, mix of pretty much everything the Brewers are terrible at. And I see Brad uh, going a little crazy down below me. So go ahead, man. I have Conforto to the Brewers as well. You guys are on the same page. Uh, I don't think I've had a clean sweep uh, with you guys as far as anybody, unless it's like just returning back to the spot that they've been playing before. I think uh, Conforto to Toronto actually makes a decent amount of sense. Uh, as far as the kind of log jam where they have Springer, Gurriel, Hernandez, and uh, Conforto, I think they do something with Gurriel the, this year. I, I think that's kind of the odd man out in this situation. Uh, and the Blue Jays have shown really just last year that they're not afraid to kind of just just pile on, as, as well as Gritchick. Gritchick's another guy in that situation too. Uh, so maybe they DH one of those guys. But it, it's... Blue, Blue Jays are happy to have more than not have any at all. And I think Conforto to Toronto kind of makes a bit of sense. Next up, a uh, fun pitcher to watch, but yeah. maybe not the top to your arm, but could get paid quite a bit. And that's Marcus Stroman. I have Marcus Stroman going to the Twins, similar to uh, what Brett said about uh, Rodriguez, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's just one of those dudes that's going to go to a, a 500 team, you know. Just makes sense. I have Strowman going to the Angels. I think this is the Angels' overpay. He's a bit flashier than some of the other guys I mentioned, and the Angels always seem to like flashy. So I think they overpay him on a four or five-year deal, and I don't think it works out for him. I think Strowman's a very good pitcher, but I think the money he's going to get is better than what he should deserve. Stroman's a guy that pitches with a lot of energy. Uh, Brett said flashy. Uh, I think passionate's a little bit yeah. better of a way to describe it. Uh, That's fair. That's fair. And very expressive. Uh, so I think Toronto, going back to Toronto makes a lot of sense for Stroman in this case too. Uh, obviously, he came up there. He start, got his career started there. Uh, I, I don't think there was another stop in between there in New York, uh, unless I'm completely missing one. 
but I don't I don't think he went went anywhere else. But going back to Toronto actually makes quite a bit of sense to me. Uh, obviously, Robbie Ray's on the market. We'll get to him later. We'll see what what we say about him. But a middle rotation guy that already has Hinjin Ryu as well as Alec Manoa, I think Strowman going back to Toronto is, is perfect for him and uh, Toronto. Next up, Noah Syndergaard. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. situation as Verlander, except for Thor is about 15 years younger. Uh, maybe not 15, probably like 12 or 13, yeah. but Noah Syndergaard. All right. I've Syndergaard taking the qualifying offer. I think he's got to prove that uh, Tommy John's behind him so he can reopen the market next year and get the big bucks that he thought he would get this year. Yeah, Sander is a guy, when he's on the top of his game, if he can return to that, he's gonna, he would command a lot in free agency. And right now where he's at, he's just not in a place to do that. So like Skylar, I have him taking the qualifying offer. A qualifying offer is kind of made for a guy like him. He can come back, you know, get a good amount of money, and next year reopen and hopefully get a bigger contract for more years. Yeah, I'm going uh, Syndergaard returning to the Mets as well. Uh, again, just kind of, I mean, why not at this point? If they offer him money, I think I think he'd be very, very tempting to take that because he just hasn't played much over the last two years. And I think he understands this year that you have to earn your money th- this year rather than it-, it being based off of your previous performance. Next up, former Cy Young Award winner and a guy that was hurt most of last year, that's Corey yeah. Kluber. I have Kluber going to the Giants. I think Oracle Park has proven to be very kind to his style of pitching. And I think that's another move that could be cool to see. I was a bit torn between Kluber. I had the Twins, who, once again, had another piece. And I also had the Phillies, a team who I'm not really sure what they're going to be this year. I wasn't really sure what they're going to be last year. So they could look to add a couple pieces to maybe push them up into a wild card, even division race, which they were pretty close in this year, to be honest, up until the end. I have Kluber going to the Cubs. Uh, it's kind of like a, a just a weird move. Uh, I think it's going to be a one-year deal, and he eventually gets traded in, in the midseason. Uh, Kluber's kind of – I mean, he, he's gotten these weird deals uh, in the past few years where he he was with uh, the Rangers for one start. Uh, obviously, he got hurt. And then I think – did he sign in New York or did he get traded there? I think it was – I believe he signed there. Yeah, I honestly don't even remember. Uh, but obviously, New York didn't work out too well for him. Uh, he pitched well, but just kind of stay healthy. I think uh, the Yankees are kind of going to try to move on here. Maybe they'll acquire him back at the trade deadline because that's what the Yankees do. But Chicago Cubs, make, I think it fits. Next up, a weird one because he just seems like he's going to be a Cub forever, even though mm. he isn't a Cub anymore. That's Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. I have Rizzo going to Boston. It just seems cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got nothing else to say. I think the love Rizzo has for Chicago is something you just don't see in a lot of players, and I think the love is reciprocated back from the Cubs fans. I think he'd be willing to go back there on a couple year deal despite the rebuild just to be around that fan base. So I have him going back to the Cubs. Red Sox do make sense. Uh, I think the Red Sox are going to resign Schwarber though. And I think he might see some more time at first base. 
But for right now, I have Rizzo going to the Cubs and a happy reunion for both sides. Rizzo's a weird one, like Brett said. It just doesn't, it doesn't, like, it feels weird to just see Rizzo play in a different jersey. Even though he wasn't there for, like, 10, 15 years, he just made such an impact in, in Chicago. With that being said, I think Reese Hoskins moves out to left field and they throw uh, Anthony Rizzo at first base over in Philly. Next up, like a, a couple of guys like that, that uh, our decision is going to be weird here uh, because they are players that we have seen a lot because they were ace players the last few years. Hmm. Uh, first one being Mark Canna. Mark Canna is a guy I would love to bring back. I just don't think we will. <laughs> you know? You know what I mean? Ace fans know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. I don't need to get a uh, statistical with you, but everything I've seen, I don't know why, but everything I've seen points to Canada to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't understand it, but I guess they love each other. And it <laughs> looks like he's going to Cleveland. Uh, doing my research, I went across a couple, you know, different sides. I saw that too. It just doesn't, to me, it didn't make a lot of sense. I mean, Cleveland was a team that didn't have a high on-base percentage. Canna's mm. considered an on-base percentage guy. But Canna is the one guy I think the Ace might try to hold on to. I think Kyle talked about this a couple episodes ago when we were talking about keeping one guy around to help with a young clubhouse that's going to have a lot of turnover the next couple of years. Canna, I think, loves it here. He went to Cal. You know, he, he loves the food around here. I don't know if you guys follow his Instagram yeah, page. Like but... Canada's the one guy I think the A's could get on a team-friendly deal that they'd be willing to keep around for two or three more years. This is a weird spot because it's, I think, in two spots, what should a team do and what actually will happen? What should happen uh, is Canada gets like three years, 30 million, whatever it is, uh, and stays in Oakland. And I'm going to say that happens, but I would not be shocked to, to see Mark Canna be playing in another uniform. Uh, like a Guardians uniform. March or April. That's so weird to say. <laughs> Guardians. The Guardians, he could be on the inaugural franchise. Uh, next up, a guy that we acquired at the trade deadline, obviously mm. played amazing, bumped up his free agent market a shit ton. Uh, with kind of, It's kind of weird. He became on the national scale once he – went to the A's. You don't really see that too often, Uh, but Starling Marte. I'm going to the Mets. I think uh, the bright lights will uh, shine bright on his flashiness, you know, more than Oakland could ever help him with. And uh, Conforto's leaving. So here you go. Metropolitans. This one, this one hurts the most of any of them. I mean, Marte made – he was amazing in only half year with the A's and became a fan favorite, and I have him going to the Astros. I, I think the move makes sense for the Astros. <laughs> a revolving door in center field. They had Miles Straw there. Um, I forget – I don't even remember the guy they had in center field last year in the playoffs. Um, Siri? Has McCormick. Oh, McCormick. And, uh, anyways, the hey, Astros – Miles Straw, gave, Guardians legend, man. Yeah, the Astros give Marte three-year deal. I believe he's 33 now. Team that likes to run, they'll let him run. He becomes an immediate upgrade in center field. They're not going to spend the money on Correa, so they spend part of it on Marte, and it's going to suck. 
I have it going the exact opposite. I think it, it, it turns out to be a very happy situation for us when Sterling Marte goes ahead and signs with the Padres. Uh, uh, I think that third outfielder spot is, is a big need uh, for the Padres. Uh, AJ Preller, the GM of the Padres, is obviously not scared to make any move that he needs to make to go, to go get a win. Uh, and... They also have a guy who has a lot of influence uh, or knowing about the guys from Oakland and Bob Melvin. I think the Padres should pay him whatever he wants to, to be a Padre for the next three years because the impact and speed on the base pass when you have Marte and Tatis, that would be something scary. And I'd love to, to see Pod, the Padres uh, make a splash with, with Southern Marte. Next up, uh, I think you guys know that I think he's leaving uh, based off of what I just said. But Tommy Pham, uh, Padres outfielder. I'm going to the Reds. Uh, kind of a weird move here, but Reds could use an outfielder. Why not? So I was looking over my list before to make sure I didn't miss anything. I didn't catch anything. But I forgot to do Tommy Pham. So... Off top of my head, the Guardians would be a team that makes sense. They don't get Cannon. The A's get Cannon, which for some reason everyone loves Cannon to the Guardians. Tommy Pham fills a corner outfield spot for the Guardians, which they obviously need. Get some on base, get some speed, get some power. Pham's a good player. Could be a guy that's moving at the deadline, depending on how the Guardians are next year. But I think he gets like a two or three year deal with decent money. So. Tommy Pham's a weird one because we we saw the situation in the middle of the year where he he was kind of like a clubhouse cancer in a sense that he I mean he got really mad at Haseon Kim uh one play when they two collided and he was like going at it in, in the dugout with them but it's just I I definitely think he leaves San Diego and his like he's his a weird market. He, he's a good player but he I think he's going to get underpaid just based off of kind of a stigma that's around him and i think a place that he could really go is detroit uh he kind of gives that like five hitter role uh, in detroit or two hitter depending on what they want to do uh and, and i mean he adds an outfielder spot that has a good amount of upside uh for a young tigers team next up is longtime san francisco giant first baseman brandon belt yeah i think it'd be weird if he doesn't take the qualifying offer here uh, the only thing that I think would change his mind would be if the Yankees paid him, but they already have way too many first basemen. So I have him staying with the Giants. Voigt, this isn't regarding Bell because I think he stays, but Voigt's yeah. still signed, right, with the Yankees? I believe. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I think Voigt probably holds on to that role, takes it back from Rizzo. But I also have Bell re-signing with the Giants, probably taking that qualifying offer. I think the Giants like him, and when he's been healthy the past couple of years, he's been really good for them. I think uh, Brandon Belt's a player that plays above the level of the qualifying offer play. Uh, he He's one of the most underrated hitters in baseball. He's a guy who can, can hit for like 950, 975 OPS. And a guy like that is obviously someone that needs to be paid. Uh, his fielding is average, but I mean, you don't really fielding at first base isn't that big of a thing. I think he, he gets paid quite a bit uh, by the Giants. I don't, I don't really see him leaving. Mm. Next up is another Anthony Rizzo type guy uh, where that whole relationship in Chicago is kind of weird. Uh, and that's Chris Bryant. 
Chris Bryant's going to the Mets. He's going to make things a little more comfortable for Javi Baez. And, uh, you know, the Mets missed out on Springer and a couple other guys last year. But uh, they're going to get Marte and Chris Bryant and just just go all in. I haven't had – I don't think I've had anyone going to the Giants. And this is going to kind of start a little run of guys going to the Giants. I think Bryant sticks around in San Francisco. I think the Giants – keep most of their guys around like they did with Brandon Belt, like they did with a couple guys that we haven't even talked about yet, and as well as one new guy. So I think he sticks around. I think the Giants make another push. I think the Dodgers beat him again, but you know, they're gonna they're gonna go they're gonna make a run for it again. Yeah, I too have the Giants getting a, making a couple splashes here at the end of my list. Uh Chris Bryant being one of them, I think that fit too well, uh, honestly, him being an SF. I mean, Chris Bryant's a, a guy that I feel like you really have to do something wrong for him to not be a very happy person just because that's just the way that he is. He's a fun guy to watch. He's a, Obviously, it looks like he's a very good teammate. Uh, and that, that culture in, in SF is something I think they're going to try to build on. Farhan Zahidi is a great GM. And I think uh, re-signing Chris Bryant is one of those big moves for him. Next up... Kevin Gosman. He's going back to the Giants. Uh, great fit, obviously. Uh, you know, with some of these other guys I've talked about, it seems like his style of pitching is just great for Oracle Park. And they can't let this dude walk after winning 107 games. I, too, think he stays with the Giants. I mean, he's kind of a one-year wonder last year, but I think he continues to pitch well. I think the Giants gave him a couple-year deal. The other team to watch out for, I think, is the Blue Jays, who are looking for more top-end starters. I think that's a guy they could try to pursue, but I think in the end, he comes back to the Giants. Gosbin's a guy who kind of had a, a, like a tale of two seasons it, it, last year because he had a very, very good first half. And even though he had a solid second half, it was nowhere really close to that first half because he was posting like a 1-4 ERA uh, to the All-Star break. So I think he's going to ask for that first half of the season type money. And I think the Giants are kind of smart enough to not give him uh, that much. And one team that has never been shy, in the, at least in the past 5-10 years, to give veterans a lot of money is the Cardinals. Uh, and I think uh, that, that makes a good amount of sense there in St. Louis and he adds on to a a pretty good team over there in St. Louis. Next up is, uh, I'll tell you one thing. This guy's going to the AL. Uh, that's for sure. And that's Nelson Cruz. That's where you're wrong, Kyle. Uh, I mean, I guess if they had the universal DH, then yeah. Okay. And again, in my, in my world, they do here. So he's going to the Padres. Uh, just because that would be pretty cool. <laughs> That's see, you know, uh, when we're talking about 35 guys here, sometimes you just got to make decisions based on that. And uh, we're rooting for Bob Melvin and the Padres this year too, you know, yeah, go pods. Yeah. Yep. I would love to see Nelson Cruz go to the Padres. And I gave two scenarios here. One, the DH doesn't come. I think he goes to the Mariners, goes back to Seattle. They get a DH guy. He seems ageist. They can plug in probably middle to order, play every day at DH, obviously. And if they do let a DH, another kind of one I would just like to see him going to Colorado. 
I mean, Skyler cool. had Solaire going to Colorado. <laughs> I have Cruz going to Colorado. A guy that, once again, probably gets moved around the deadline if he signs a one-year deal. But he can go hit bombs for, you know, half a season before that happens up in, up in Coors Field. I think Seattle actually makes a good amount of sense. Uh, that, that'd be kind of cool to see. Uh, power is definitely needed in that lineup, especially if Kyle Seeger is going to go. Uh, they have a lot of good hitters, but just not a lot of guys that power the ball to the ballpark. Unfortunately, though, I don't think the Rays let him walk. Uh, they, they realize the guy that they have there, and they realize that he's not going to be as expensive as other guys because he doesn't have any fielding to him, and he's nearly 40 years old. So I think the Rays are, are going to throw him pretty much what, what he wants right off the bat and, and get him back in, in Tampa Bay. Next up, debatably the, the top starter in the market uh and that's robbie ray robbie ray's been bouncing a lot around bouncing around a lot and uh you know this was his first confident season in what seems like forever i think it would be a mistake to go somewhere else other than toronto i haven't sticking around I've been sticking around as well. Like I said earlier, I think Gosman's a guy that the Blue Jays might try to pursue, but I think at the end he goes to the Giants. So the Blue Jays, they have money now to spend. They keep Robbie Ray around. The guy who, I mean, the relationship worked great both ways. He was great last year. Cy Young, uh, he ended up winning it, right? I'm not. Or, uh, they, haven't announced it yet. they haven't announced it. I'm tripping, but probably a guy who will win the Cy Young. I think he stays in Toronto on you know five-year deal and he finds a new home. This one honest, honestly makes zero sense for me, but I think it would be very cool for the Milwaukee Brewers to create the best rotation in cool. MLB uh, with Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, as well as signing Robbie Ray. Uh, the only problem is that the Brewers aren't really that team that kind of you know throws money out whenever they, they see a guy that they want to go and get, unless it's Christian Yelich. And... So realistically, this isn't going to happen. I'm just going to put it on paper because I think it'd be very fun to see. Yeah. Uh, second to last now, uh, we have two big fish out there uh, that we haven't talked about yet, and that's Marcus Semien and Nicholas Castellanos. The first guy that we will talk about, though, will be, would you say A's legend, Marcus Semien? Of course. Yeah. All right. Um, Bay Area legend. I don't think anybody's going to have the same pick as me, but it just makes too much sense. He loves the West Coast. Uh, this team is losing someone that plays the same position. He's going to the Dodgers. Um, yeah, you know, tough, but at least it's not the Astros or the Angels. And I'm hoping you guys didn't say the Angels or the Giants, but uh, we'll see. I said the Giants. I think the Giants are a team I honestly don't hate as much as the other guys do. I know I'm supposed to hate them. As I, mean, nice I, I don't. Fan, I don't dislike them. No, I just I, dislike I, them because yeah. they blocked our stadium like six times. That's yeah, yeah. I, like I know Skyler is a big thing in the stadium. And that obviously sucks. We could have a stadium in San Jose probably already done if they didn't do that. And Fremont. But too. I think I think Simeon to the Giants makes a whole lot of sense. Second base was maybe the weakest position of the nine that the Giants had was a combination of Lestella and Solano. Neither guy, I mean, both guys solid in their own rights, but you had Marcus Samuel, a guy who hit 40 plus bombs last year to that Giants. He comes back home to the Bay, a place he loves and wanted to stay. DA said, screw you. 
So he finds a way back, back home. And, you know, Giants are in business next year. Yeah. I think the Bay makes a lot of sense for Semyon to, to do that. But I think he's uh, going to SoCal and going to the Dodgers. Uh, I know yeah. Scott, I said that he doesn't think anybody was going to make this pick, but I've had this pick made up in my mind ever since I said that Chris. You would have so much fun in LA, man. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, Dodgers, once again, just like the Yankees, aren't shy to throw money to whoever they want. Obviously, no uh, pay cap in, in baseball, so they're just going to throw whatever money they want to at Marcus Semien, and he is going to be a problem in, in LA, that's for sure. Another lastly, team I like for Simeon, sorry, before, was uh, I like Seattle for him. If they don't get Chris Taylor, I think Seattle's a team that makes sense, as well as the Blue Jays trying to keep him, so. Yeah, uh, that definitely makes a bit of sense. But lastly, though, last fish in the pond, uh, obviously not talking about some of the, the smaller guys, is Nicholas Castellanos. Mm. Uh, some people think he's one of the face of baseball just because of his, like, his bad guy. His drives uh, to left field. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, but Castellanos, fun guy to watch play. He's very passionate as well. Where is uh, Big Nick going to go? I have Castellanos getting the bag from the Rangers. You know, it's one of those moves that doesn't make sense. Uh, but once it happens, it starts to make sense. I could also see the Padres here. Uh, but, in, you know, my situation, I have the Padres getting some of these other guys. Uh, but I'm going to stick with the Rangers. They get Kershaw. They get Castellanos. They run it back for 60 wins. So I think Kyle had Marte going to the Padres. I think Skyler had Cruz possibly and one other guy uh going to kind of fill that outfield slash dh void if they had it for me the guy the padres go get to fill that outfield spot is castellanos i think they i think he's the best of those three arguably Marte. he's a bit of a better defender but i think grisham's fine in center field i think they're okay with keeping him there i think they go throw castellanos the best bat of the three in a corner outfield spot and the padres become part of an absolutely loaded NL West with the Dodgers, obviously amazing. The Giants getting even better and the Padres getting the manager and a couple of players to really push for that division. Yeah. Uh, I think he goes to the NL West. I think he goes to the Giants. So I think uh, SF makes a decent amount of sense for Castellanos. I think he kind of takes that, that Mike Yastrzemski role just because of Yastrzemski's kind of uncertainty of on how he was playing last year. Uh, but Castellanos is a big fish. I think Farhan's going to take his chance on this one and uh, he's going to get a big one in Nicholas Castellanos. But that's right. going to do it for, uh, for MLB free agency predictions. I know this has been probably 40, 50 minutes at this point, uh, but now let's go to halftime. All right. Welcome to halftime. Uh, gonna start off with Kyle, I guess. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, we'll go over the the other NFL games that happened this weekend. I know we haven't. It seems like we haven't talked about football in a long time uh, because it's been about an hour or so. Uh, but let's go over the other games that happened uh, Thursday. We already talked about that one with the Jets and the Colts. Raiders, Giants. Already talked about that one. The Niners, Cardinals. Already talked about that one as well. Browns beat the Bengals forty-one to sixteen. Kind of a laugh for there. Broncos beat the Cowboys 30 to 16. I feel like uh, the theme for a lot of games this week was like, what the, what the fuck just happened? Uh, it was a lot of 
like weird scenarios where teams won. Uh, Texans lose to the Dolphins 17-9. Dolphins get the first win since week one. Falcons beat the Trevor Simeon Saints 27-25. to Kind of shocking that the Falcons put up 27 points against that very good defense. Uh, Patriots, they just kind of maul the Panthers 24 to six. Sam Darnold broke his scapula in that game. So he'll be out mm. for a few weeks and, uh, PJ Walker is going to be the starter there. Jaguars beat the bills nine, nine to six. It's like the, the rematch rematch of that wild card weekend game, uh, four or five years ago at this point, we're super low scoring, uh, bad QB play on both sides. And the Jaguars came out on top. Ravens beat the Vikings 34 to 31 in in an OT thriller chargers, uh, beat the Eagles in Philly. Pretty good game over there. Chiefs beat the Jordan love Packers 13 to seven low scoring game. Don't see that too often with those two teams. Uh, Titans Rams on Sunday night, AP scored a touchdown in his first game for the Titans in their first win, uh, without Derrick Henry. Uh, they moved to seven and two. They're the number one seed in the AFC. And lastly, on Monday Night Football, we thought this one was going to be a blowout at the beginning of the game, and then it turned into a pretty good one down the line. Uh, but the Steelers win 29-27 uh, at home in Heinz Field, and they've won, I believe, 19 straight home Monday Night games, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy. You know, uh, I saw a graphic, too. It would have been the first time they lost in franchise history after leading by 14 points after halftime. Uh, and going into the fourth quarter, I think. Fourth quarter? Okay. Yeah. So, but, but you know, nonetheless, still crazy yes. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cassius yeah. Marsh with the, the taunting is tough, but, you know, that's the rule. You know, if uh, we went to this game not knowing exactly what the definition of the flag would be, yeah, I'd be pissed. But, you know. It was it, still pretty damn bad. I mean, oh, yeah. like. Was it for the taunt or was it for the hitting the ref? No, no. The, it was uh, for the taunts, but the yeah. taunt wasn't really anything. All he did was look at the Steelers bench. He didn't like make like a, like, oh, I'm here coming after you. That you kick like, though? Yes, they didn't show that kick in the replay. He did like a 360 kick. That was pretty he crazy. He does that every time he makes oh, really? play. He's been doing that since the Niners. That's like his thing. It's like the ninja marsh or whatever he calls it. Yeah. It, the the like, referee sticking his ass out. Like, that was eh. yeah, it was bad. Only the ref said he didn't see him, and the flag had nothing to do with it. But he was looking right at him, stuck yeah. his ass yeah. out, and was already reaching for the flag. I cap. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The ref's kind of stupid. I did get uh, weird vibes uh, from him. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, and uh, I guess we'll talk about some NFL injuries mm-hmm. uh, to start it off. Russell Wilson's coming back next week. Hype. against the Packers who likely won't have Aaron Rodgers. So that's, that's huge for Seattle. If they want to get back into this race. Uh, sorry, Brent. <laughs> um, some other quarterbacks, man, Trevor Lawrence and Matt Stafford, both have low ankle sprains. Um, they're both questionable. I don't think they're expected to miss any games, but not good for those guys. Raven safety to Sean Elliott out for the year, torn biceps and a torn peck. Mm-hmm. That's tough. That's tough for yeah. uh, for the Ravens. He's been a, a rising star. Uh, Patrick Sertan, rookie corner from the Broncos, is likely to miss a game with a knee sprain. Uh, and Chase Edmonds, high ankle sprain, supposed to miss two to four weeks. That one's big for Arizona. They're looking like the best team in the NFC right now, even with no Kyler Murray. That's true. Uh 
One thing that came out today, though, was the whole Browns running back room got COVID, except for Dearness Johnson. I did not see that. So Nick Chubb is likely out this week. Uh, he's vaccinated, so he does. I mean, if he's able to get two negative tests uh, going into the game, uh, then he'll be able to play. But usually, just based off of what we've seen in this situation over the past year or two, is that he likely won't play. Wow, I I was sleeping most of the day because I'm sick. I did not see that one. Yeah, but CFP rankings time now. Oh, yeah, isn't go it? ahead. Uh-huh. All right, let me pull those up real quick. Those just came out uh, while we were doing MLB free agency predictions. Uh, we took too long on that, so we actually were able to get the the rankings out. And here is what they are: uh, twenty five, Arkansas, Utah. Uh, UTSA, San Diego State, Pittsburgh, Iowa, Purdue, Wisconsin, Auburn, NC State, and now we get to the top 15. So that I kind of just threw those teams there. Uh, but 15, Ole Miss, 14, BYU, 13, Baylor, 12, Wake Forest after losing their first game of the season. Texas A&M still on the rise, goes up to 11. Oklahoma State up one spot to 10. Notre Dame up one spot to nine. Oklahoma stays at eight. Uh, Michigan State, after losing their first game of the season, drops down four spots all the way to seven. So their playoff hopes are kind of shot, honestly, at this point. Uh, Michigan is at number six. They they jump Michigan State, uh, even though Michigan State beat them just two weeks ago. Cincinnati is one spot out at the five spot. Go Cincy. Four spot, Ohio State. Three spot is Oregon. Uh, two spot, Alabama. And number one, as it should be for the rest of the year, Georgia. All right. I want to get into some of these games this week. We'll start with Purdue, Mississippi State. Sorry, Michigan State. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, Michigan State came into this game undefeated, number three in the nation, and they got destroyed by Purdue. Man, 40 to 29. Uh, Kenneth Walker did his thing on the ground, 136 yards and a touchdown. But the big story, man, Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell, 500 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Great for him, man. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think this pretty much eliminates Michigan State from the playoffs, which is tough for them. Uh, Maybe if they beat Ohio State by 30, (laughs) they have a chance. But other than that, I don't think so. All right, the next game I want to talk about, Cincinnati beating Tulsa, 28-20. to Cincinnati was trying to throw this game away, man. They had multiple turnovers in their own territory. Even the last possession of the game, Tulsa had a chance. Uh, they had first and goal on the two after Cincinnati fumbled, and the Tulsa quarterback slid instead of dove, so they called him down at the, where he started the slide, uh, which is tough. And I... I don't want to hear Cincinnati should be in the top four. All right. Yeah. Well, you beat Notre Dame's backup quarterback, Kyle. I don't care. They if you should be in the lose, top four. If you almost lose to Tulane and Tulsa, I don't care. bro. I well, mean, Oklahoma what? did the same thing. They got guess bumped what? down to eight. What? Guess what? Bama was about to lose a game to Max Johnson and LSU this week. Uh, and I know you'll talk about that a bit later. But the thing is, is that these good teams play bad against bad teams sometimes. 
And the thing is, is that Tulsa has came out on top every single time. Every single time. I mean, Brett's holding up the O right now on our Zoom call. (laughs) But Oregon lost to Stanford this year. He sucked against Washington, too. (laughs) Exactly. Teams play down to their opponent. Georgia's really the one team that I really haven't seen play down to their opponent consistency consistently this year. But man, since he's got to got to be in now, in my opinion. At the end of the at the end of these games, I'll give my my take on that. But uh, we'll move on to the next game, uh, North Carolina. High flying offense, man. They take down Wake Forest, fifty eight to fifty five. Wake Forest um, lead. Yeah, Sam Howell did what he had to do, you know, 200 yards, another hundred on the ground, which is, it's bigger for his draft case than it is for, you know, anything else. Uh, but the big one here was Ty Chandler running back for UNC four touchdowns, 200 yards on the ground. Um, seems like they can do it without Javante and Michael Carter, which is interesting. Uh, but I, I, the reason I put here this game, I want to talk about it because if Wake Forest goes 14 and 0 and wins the ACC, you know, that would be the hardest decision the committee would ever have to make. Yeah, you know, they like, don't well, want to shit, put them in either. Technically, you know, we did the same thing for Clemson with the same exact mm-hmm. schedule, so what are we supposed to do? But now they don't have to make that decision. Wake Forest isn't going to the playoff. Um, yeah. so interesting stuff. Four Demon Deacons. <laughs> yeah, man. And the last game uh you talked about it, Alabama Barely holds on against LSU, man. Um, there was no running game at all for Alabama. Bryce Young, 300 yards, two touchdowns. He did his job. And the defense was great, too, for Alabama. Uh, no scoring for either team in the second uh, – sorry, the fourth quarter. In the second half, only two touchdowns. Um, and Alabama hangs on. And just to wrap up this week of college football, I, I just want to say nobody's beating Georgia. It kind of seems like uh, the LSU year with Joe Burrow, where some teams are going to try, but no one's really going to compete with Georgia. Yeah. The, I mean, that LSU year, just to make a point on that, like that mm-hmm. was like looking back on it now. I didn't realize how good that team is until really now. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people are realizing how good that team is until now, because I mean, besides Georgia, we don't really have that clear favorite and Georgia is still relatively beatable, but that LSU team was literally unbeatable. And the guys that they have that had on that team, uh, offense and defense were, were just so amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I guess we'll get into the Heisman top five. And uh, I'm excited because at number one, there's a new guy we haven't talked about yet this year. It's crazy. All right. Uh, We'll start with number five. I got Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback. Uh, He had another 400 yards, three touchdowns this week and a monster win for Pitt. Uh, And he's been great this year. So uh, he's sticking around in number five. You know, possible NFL guy if he goes to the senior bowl, especially. Mm -hmm. Uh, number four, I got Matt Corral. Uh, another, you know, 300 yards. Didn't have to do much for Ole Miss. They played Liberty. Uh, I thought it was going to be a great matchup. They played against Malik Willis, who was looking like, at least for a couple of weeks there, he could be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, mm-hmm. But he played terrible. Obviously, you know, uh, Liberty is not going to hang around an SEC team. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, I got Bryce Young. One of the most consistent players in the nation this year. Probably the best quarterback Again, another 300 yards, two touchdown, keeps the stock. Number two, Kenneth Walker, 
Michigan State running back, uh, a guy who I think has a very good chance to win the Heisman this year. Uh, like we said, another 100 yards and touchdown. Um, but the guy I want to talk about. Wait, do, is, yeah. is this who I think it is? Is this who I think it is at number one? I don't think you know. I, I think I know. You think you know? I think I All can right. know. My number one guy is going to be Will Anderson Jr. Ah, Do you have him? Edge rusher no. for Alabama. He's really good. This year, 10 and a half sacks, 21 tackles for loss, seven sacks in the last three games. You know, the interesting thing about this year, we've been waiting for the Heisman moment for you know, that one guy to step up and it just hasn't happened. And that makes me Walker believe that. Touchdowns. What? Yeah. Walker. Walker did, did have his. I, I think that was a Heisman moment. I, I think it was close. I think it was an amazing game. I just, it wasn't the flashiness that we've been looking for. You know what I mean? And that's no, when I realized but, okay. that we're looking in the completely wrong direction here. Uh, <laughs> Will Anderson is probably the fastest player in the FBS, and he's playing on the defensive line. It's just a clone of Khalil Mack. Um, and I'm going with the most outstanding player in college football because that's the title of the Heisman Trophy winner. And I, I think thought, he has been this year. I thought you were going to do – the guy that you were talking about before the show, I thought you were going to throw a little Bailey zap at me. Oh. For a second. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at a stats right now. And quite honestly, this guy's going to get NFL recognition going into, into this offseason. Mm. He's a senior at Western Kentucky. He has 37 touchdowns this year. That leads that uh, FBS. Uh, and he also has the most yards in, in uh, the FBS as well. So, I mean, Obviously not a Heisman guy because Western Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, they're not ranked. They're, they're not in a good conference. No, he's he's a he's a quarterback. Uh, but I mean, he's dicing up a, a very shitty conference right now. Yeah, I mean, those are the dudes who uh, who go in the fifth round. You know. Yeah. Like true. Mike White to the world. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. But all are right, we all that, good uh, here. Yeah, that wraps up my uh, college football talk. Uh, glad awesome. I could share the Heisman winner with you guys. There we go. Uh, all right. On to the second half. It's going to be a short second half. Uh, we're going to give our top five MVP, top three depoy, and our top three rookie of the year as we do every week. And that's it. Uh, we're going to do our bets as well, but nothing crazy this week uh, due to the, the lengthy first half. So first off, rookie of the year, do you guys have any honorable mentions? I got a bunch of them. I have two. Go ahead. Uh, Slater, I have, him, I have him every week. I think he's amazing. Mm. He's just not going to get any real recognition for this award just because of skill players. And uh, Micah Parsons slides. I think I had him three last week, but he falls honorable mention this week. All right. I have Slater and Parsons and Jeremiah Wusukoromoa and Najee Harris and Elijah Moore. I feel like uh, these are guys who have been balling out for, you know, about three weeks in a row. And I just got to shout them out. Yeah, I mean, uh, if I was going to throw honorable mention in there that you yeah. guys haven't said, I, I would like to say Nate Hobbs yeah, just because of, of how good he's been as a lockdown corner so far this year. I mean, he every guy that he's matched up so far this year just hasn't done anything. Uh, he did have one bad penalty uh, last week on a play, uh, pass interference call. But besides that, I mean, this guy's on a lot of touchdown. 
He's not allowing a lot of receptions. He's a great open field tackler, especially at a slot corner position. You don't see that too often. Uh, but unless my number three is going to be Mac Jones. Uh, first time I've had him ranked this whole season. Uh, I don't think he really deserves to be in the rookie there conversation, but since the Patriots are playing well right now, and if they continue to play well, he's going to be in that conversation. So he's in my number three. All right. Uh, I got Aziz Ojolari. Um, you know, five and a half sacks. That's leading rookies. Uh, made a nice play against the Raiders. Didn't do a whole lot of game breaking for them. They just kind of bended, not broke. But uh, he deserves it, man. Second rounder, balling out. Playing a lot better than some of these first round edge rushers. I also like Ojolari. Probably should have put him in honorable mention. But I actually, so I have Justin Fields. At number three, I don't think he has quite the stats Mac Jones has, but the past two weeks, I think Fields has played extremely well against the Niners, and then last night again against Pittsburgh. So I think if he continues this play, he's a guy that could creep up. I don't think he'll take the award uh, from the guy I've had at number one every week so far, but Justin Fields is – every week he's looking better and better. So, Yeah, Fields, in my opinion, I think has the biggest room to grow because of how uh... – like how like you can see the flashes of greatness and you kind of know this guy's going to be a fucking stud when you, you watch him play, especially in the last two weeks. So he's on all my list, but my number two is going to be Najee Harris. Same as Ben for the last few weeks. Uh, again, uh, just another solid week for him. He got into the end zone uh, and he's really becoming one of the, probably the main part in, in that Pittsburgh offense, the focal point right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. He's uh, on pace for Justin Jefferson numbers, but he's kind of gotten locked up a couple weeks now in a row. And, uh, you know, this doesn't change my mind. I already had this dude number one past couple weeks, but uh, something to keep notice. I have Najee at number two. Like Kyle said, just been very consistent. Another touchdown, another decent game yards-wise. Does a little bit of it all for Pittsburgh. So no reason to move him from where he's at. Yeah, uh, number one for me, I know Skyler said he'd been locked down the last few weeks, but Jamar Chase still is third in the NFL in receiving. I know they haven't had their bye week yet, and I know Cooper Cup is a couple miles ahead of him, uh, but that's not really what matters to me. Uh, Jamar Chase has been a game-breaker so far as far as the Bengals go. He's been, I mean, if they don't have him, I think they're probably three-win team at this point in the year, uh, just based off the big plays and momentum he's been able to create for them. So I go with Jamar Chase as my rookie of the year. All right. And uh, I'm going to go with Mac Jones. You know, like I've been saying, I treat this as kind of a leaderboard, not as a a voting type system. And, you know, this guy plays quarterback. That's the most important position. And he's Mm -hmm. winning. You know, they have a winning record. So uh, I got to give it to Mac Jones. I have Chase number one. I mean, versus the Jets. He only had 32 yards, and last week was Cleveland only 49. But he's getting 9 and 13 targets in those games. He just hasn't had the big play that he did the first couple weeks. I think the volume's still there. I think he's been great, and I think he's done so much early in the year that right now I think he still has this award won, and at this point pretty comfortably. Yeah. On to Defensive Player of the Year, and a couple right. honorable mentions to start it off. Yeah. Uh, I did Marcus Golden. Uh, he has nine sacks, four forced fumbles. I don't know if that's the most forced fumbles in the league, but it's got to be right there with it. And also, 
Kevin Byard, he has five picks on the year. Also a forced fumble, a touchdown. Uh, I mean, he's been going back to that, that Kevin Byard that we saw a couple years ago. And I think he's been really, really good for the Titans. And uh, defense has stepped up in the last few weeks. Do right. you guys have I, any honorable mentions? Yeah, I got the two Tennessee linemen, uh, Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons. They've been game wreckers. Mm-hmm. I have Golden and Landry on my list of honorable mentions. All righty. Uh, number three for me, I'm, I made the move. Uh, Trayvon Diggs is third for me. Uh, I think his ability to play coverage is not the greatest. I know he got burnt by Tim Patrick, but his ball skills are still superior to any corner, any defensive back that we've seen in a long, long time. I feel like uh, maybe a guy like Charles Woodson kind of relates to that. But uh, yeah, Trayvon Diggs, number three. I got TJ Watt at three. I haven't yet made the switch um, fully, but TJ Watt, I, I believe, is second in sacks. Always going to get those pass deflections. I mean, it, there's so many guys mm-hmm. for deep play this year, man. It, it, it sucks putting him at three, but for this week, he is. Uh, I like Kyle. I think I had Diggs at two last week. This week I have him at three just because I think the two guys above him. Mm. I've had the same three guys, just kind of ranked them differently. I think those two guys outplayed him this week. So Diggs still with seven interceptions, which is a crazy number at this point in the season. Stays on the top three, but falls down to that third spot. Number two for me remains the same as it has the last few weeks, and that's going to be Miles Garrett. Uh, he does lead the league with 12 sacks. But he doesn't. He hasn't forced a fumble this whole year, and I feel like that's a really big thing uh, when it comes to this: is creating turnovers because you can get sacked, you can create field position difference. But when you actually get the ball out and get it to your team, that's when it not only changes the field position, but it creates a shit ton of momentum, especially if you're playing at home. And uh, Miles Garrett really hasn't been able to do that yet this year, uh, so that's why he stays at two for me. All right, I'm going with Trayvon Diggs. He stays at two. Um... It's it, with seven picks, it's just hard to move them around yet. Mm-hmm. I feel like there'll be a point eventually where I move him out of here just because he gets burnt constantly, but uh, he stays here for this week. At uh, number two, I have the sack leader, Miles Garrett. Um, nothing against him. I just like the other guy above him a little bit more. He's done a little bit, he has a little bit of a more complete game, in my opinion. But 12 sacks, obviously nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. My def- my favorite defensive player to watch right now, as well as my pick for Depoy, is going to be TJ Watt. I mean, he's just a half sack less than Miles Garrett. He has those pass deflections, that, and he does, I feel like, just as good as anybody in the NFL and just reading the quarterback's arm and getting up at the right time. Uh, and he also has those three forced fumbles, so he he's getting the ball out when he gets to the quarterback. Uh, and obviously he had a game winning one against the Seahawks a, a couple, couple weeks ago. And he, he's just a menace, man. And that guy is so tough to deal with. And I think he's, he's the defense player of the year for me right now. All right. And, uh, number one, I still have miles Garrett, another sack and a half this week. Uh, seems like he's been doing it every week and it's just not enough. Even if he's not forcing fumbles like TJ, it's just not enough to bump him down for me. 
I have TJ Watt at one. I mean, 11 tackles for loss on the year, only a half a sack behind Miles Garrett, and he missed week three. And I believe they've already had their bye. Yeah. I, I don't know if the Browns – the Browns have a week 13 bye, so he's played two less games, only half a sack behind. Uh, I believe he has four pass deflections, three sacks last night, Monday Night Football. I think he's done – I think he's been robbed at least one deploy over the past two years. At this point, I think you have to give it to him, especially if he keeps up this pace. Yeah, and you can honestly go six and a half games too because he was he came out hurt in the game against the Raiders. I know that. Uh, but I also think Miles Garrett came out hurt for one game as well. Now on to the MVP, the main events. My honorable mentions are Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray. Uh, Stafford last week, I believe I had at second, but I moved him down a lot just because, I mean, he just played really, really bad, uh, honestly. Uh, on Sunday night, I think he made a couple ill-advised throws. And then Kyler, uh, he was at five last week for me. He just didn't play, so I didn't really have too much mm. to do with him here. Uh, so I probably should have moved him down for not playing. But a couple guys stepped up big this week, and so I had to put him a bit higher than, uh, than Kyler. I have no honorable mentions, and I didn't change my list at all this week just because this week was so weird. I didn't feel right doing it, so I kept the same. Uh, honorable mention, I just threw a couple on that. I think Herbert's back in honorable mention after an amazing week this week. Rodgers didn't play with COVID, but I mean, you could see the impact of not having him out there, I think, which almost helps him. And Dak, not a great week, but he's been amazing all year. At five, I have, I think Skyler had this last week, Stafford slash Cup. Mm-hmm. Cup's been amazing all year. Stafford falls down a little bit from, I think I had him at one last week, actually. Just wasn't good. Couple picks, bad decisions, and Cup's been amazing all year. Yeah. Uh, number five for me is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he only goes down one spot, but I feel like if he misses this next game and he still has COVID, uh, he, dropping out of this list completely is something that I will do because, sure, it's his decision or whatever to get immunized, whatever it may be, but he is faulting him, his team some games if he's not able to play play these two because of, of the decisions that he's made. Yeah, I got Rodgers at five, too, again, and uh, I agree. One more game probably drops him out, but uh, for now, he's still one of the best players in this league. Yeah. Oh, uh, Brett. Yeah, Brett. At number four, I have a guy I haven't talked about at all this year. I don't think any of us have. Derrick Henry was the running back we all, all had up here. I'm going to throw Jonathan Taylor's name in here at four. I think I would have done it. If I if I were to change something, it would have been him. Yeah, I think he's been yeah. amazing, been really the focal point of that Colts offense. He and Pittman. Wentz has been decent, but it's really been carried by that run game. The offense line, Taylor scoring touchdown. Even Naheem Hines had a good week this week against the Jets. But Taylor's really the guy who's reaping the benefits. So I'm going to slide him and for that Derrick Henry running back spot I like to have. Uh, number four for me is going to be Lamar Jackson. He was up two spots for being an honorable mention uh, this past week. He had a good comeback win against the, the Minnesota Vikings. I think one of his, his two picks that he threw was really fluky because Anthony Barr just made a great play, honestly, in overtime where he tipped it up and then dove and caught the ball. So uh, a good play for him there. And also, I mean, Lamar Jackson – we, we know he's he's not afraid to put his body on the line. He's like Josh Allen in that sense. 
but he had 21 carries and 120 rushing yards for for the Minnesota against the Minnesota Vikings last week. It's not like he broke off a big play uh, to do this. His longest run was 12 yards, and so he is running downhill, trying to move the chains every single time he he's got the ball in his hands. And uh, I think Lamar is, he can have he has a very good shot at winning his second MVP this year. All right, I'm gonna go with. What are we at for? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, Josh Allen. Um, terrible game against Jacksonville. <laughs> terrible. But like I said, I'm not changing anything yet after this week. This week was so weird. We are in the twilight zone. I'm just going to, for now, pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. Josh Allen was the one guy for me that really dropped just because of the performance this week. I have, so I have Kyler at number three. Didn't play this week, so didn't really do anything to hurt his rankings. Colt McCoy played well in his spot, but I mean, he's not Kyler Murray. so That's true. Number three for me, I split him up this week. Uh, I'm going Cooper Cup at number three. I think his impact it was shown that he he's going to do well and he's going to get open regardless of how Stafford was playing. And we saw that last week. 11 catches for 95 yards. So he didn't have quite the yardage that he's had the last few weeks. But nonetheless, a thousand yards and he's played what nine, eight games at this point. So pretty damn crazy for Cooper Cup, who who guys first in receptions, first in yards per game, uh, as well as first in touchdowns. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go with Tom Brady at three. Didn't play this week. Um, but it's Tom Brady, man. <laughs> he's uh still throwing four touchdowns a game. It's it's crazy. Am I tripping or are we at two? Uh, uh, you, you are ahead two of now. us, but yeah. By, by oh, one. yeah, I'm at yeah. two, so I'm ahead yes. of these guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm like going first, I guess here. So uh, for my number two, I got Lamar. I think, I mean, of the guys on here, he was, I think, the only guy. I and mean, Kyler doesn't really count, but they won their game mm-hmm. this week. He played well, like Kyle said. Already said the stats, so I won't go into it too much. But I think he deserved a little bit of bump just for the win, and for how much he does for that Ravens offense. Mm-hmm. Number two for me is a guy that I don't think we've seen on any of our lists so far. Uh, and I'm going TJ Watt. Uh, I think he's just been such a game wrecker for, for every single big play, fourth down, overtime play, uh, whatever it may be. He is in there for the Steelers and he's, he's making havoc, uh, whether it be in the pass game, the run game, whatever it is, he's, he's been so dominant. And I think if you take him off that Steelers defense, they're, they're, they're a defense average probably or allows probably 25 points per game. Uh, but with him, they become instantly one of the best defenses in the league. All right. Number two, I have Kyler Murray. I don't think that loss was his fault. Shouldn't take it out on him. Uh, still limiting the turnovers when he is playing. Didn't play last week, but uh, hopefully he's back next week. So for my number one, I have Brady. It's kind of weird. I think having the bye week this week almost helped him in these rankings just because of how weird of a week it was. I'm not like Skylar. I'm going to adjust with what happened this week. So I have Brady at number one. He's been great. His team didn't play this week, so I don't have much to say about him. But I think on pace for the most passing yards in in NFL season history still, he's ageless wonder. Yeah, true. Number one for me is also going to be Tom Brady. It's the same as I had last week. Didn't play, obviously. Uh, yeah, 44-year-old for MVP. Yeah. Who would have thought? And uh, I still have Cup and Stafford grouped together. 
Uh, I'm not ready to split them up yet. Maybe if Stafford's out next week and Cup gets 150 yards, then I'll put Cup here on his yeah. own. But if if Cup carries yeah. John Wofford to a victory, you you got to put him on this list. Yes, but as of right now, I think the most valuable player is the duo of Cup and Stafford, which <laughs> might be cheating. Maybe. Co MVP. But co MVPs, yes. Yeah. There we go. All right, that's going to do it for Where's Your Head At with our award predictions in the NFL. Now we're going to do our bets, and let's get on out of here. We had a rough week in the bets, man. We had (laughs) a really, really rough one. Uh, Only one of of our three layups uh, was correct. That was my Giants plus three pick against the Raiders, and that was one that I honestly hoped wasn't going to happen, obviously. Uh, Skyler had Raiders minus three against the Giants. That didn't happen, obviously. And Brett had the Green Bay Packers minus one and a half or – yeah, well, I don't know. It just said one and a half on him uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, Rogers being outscored me. Uh, yeah, plus, plus one and a half, I plus believe. Plus one and a half, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Chiefs won by six, so that didn't hit. And then this week, I have uh, Tampa Bay nine and a half points versus the Washington football team. Washington's not good. Tampa Bay's good. Simple as that. Yeah, I got Arizona minus 10 against Carolina. Uh, Arizona looked fine without Kyler, just in case he doesn't even play. Uh and uh, Carolina is terrible. Joe Walker, man. Uh, now that Sam Darnold's out, the uh, it's gone up to ten and a half. It's probably going to keep going, but I got it at ten. I'm fine with that. Carolina looks terrible. I got Baltimore seven and a half versus Miami. Miami coming off a win, but Miami's not a good football team. Whether Tua or Brissett plays this week, I think Baltimore will handle business and very easily. Yeah, and that Baltimore game is on Thursday night, so look out for that one on thursday for our picks all right our bold predictions last week we we failed them all uh so (laughs) that was tough uh in a week full of upsets we we all missed our bold predictions which is kind of crazy uh i had the houston texans over miami i seemed like the one uh underdog that didn't win their game this week uh and so i get it wrong there Skyler had Wake Forest over unc wake forest blew a fat lead in the fourth quarter so that's a tough one for skyler and Brett had SF over Arizona, and we all kind of know what happened there. Uh, and then we go to this week, and I have Philadelphia over Denver. I think Denver's like three-and-a-half-point favorites right now, and Denver is just not a good football team. Philly, I think, is a team that honestly could beat just about anybody in this league uh, based off the, just how Jalen Hurts plays. Uh, I think the run game's honestly gotten better since Miles Sanders been out, even though I think Miles Sanders is their best running back. So I say Philly over Denver. This one is tough. I'm now realizing I made this bold prediction before a bunch of stuff came out. I had the Browns over the Patriots. Now we know the the entire running back room is COVID. But you know what? I'm gonna, Johnson solid. I'm going yeah. to I'm going to stick with Cleveland. You know, I think they're back. You know, th- this is my my preseason Super Bowl attendee from the AFC. I'm not going to quit on them that easily. You know, uh, they're getting players back. Obviously not the running backs yet. Um, but not getting Odell back. I'll tell you that. Or Odell, but the offense looks so good. I'll make this quick. I see the time running out. We've got to get out here. I got, I believe it was a two and a half point KC favorite. Last time I checked, I got Vegas beating KC outright this week. KC just haven't liked them at all the past couple of weeks. Vegas coming off 
a, a game they probably should have won versus the Giants. I think Carr is going to have a bounce back week and return to that MP, MVP form he's looked throughout really the entire season besides this week. I sure hope so. Uh, we got sure. three minutes left on our meeting, so we'll wrap this up quickly here. Uh, but real quick, right on the spot. Yeah. No explanation. Where is Odell Beckham Jr. going to go? You want me to go first, Kyler? Go ahead. I got him going to Green Bay or New Orleans. He is going to the Eagles. <laughs> the fuck? He's going to Seattle or wishful thinking to Las Vegas. We'll see how that goes. Uh, obviously, by the next episode, we will know. How that went, maybe we have already seen an Odell debut at that point. Uh, our socials, Twitter, at Sports, Instagram, also at Sports, YouTube, TikTok, Immaculate Sports. Go follow Sports. everything we're posting out, out there. Uh, turn on post notifications because it is getting good down the stretch here. Uh, and we'll be free agency episode. A uh, little bit of NFL talk, college football talk, as always, episode 61. And we'll see you guys. Next week, go Jets. Deuces.